Hi guys, it's Cinnamon and I'm back with the next episode of Sweet Tea, Southern Mama doing Autism A to Z. Um, on the last episode, I kind of shared with you guys my concerns and what, you know, led me to have Cortland um, screened for the possibility of autism spectrum disorder. And um, I also shared with you my pregnancy and the fact that it was a high-risk pregnancy and um, where my concerns started and how it led us to contact his pediatrician to get that stat screen done. And as I mentioned during that last um, episode, we I talked about him receiving a score of three on the stat screen, which automatically put him at risk for autism. Now, let me go back and tell you, as I said on the last episode, I would be lying if I said that I was surprised when the special needs care coordinator came back and said that he had scored a three. Um, because as I stated going in, I had the concerns and I just knew in my heart that there was a possibility. But as a parent, you want to always think positively. You don't want to buy into what your gut is telling you at times, although we know we our gut generally is 10 times right out of 50 times or whatever. But you know... Um, I was sitting there and when she said that he what his score was, um, honestly, I felt like I had been punched in the gut Um, because one, you know, we have faced some other situations that had taken me some time to get over. Um, And then also to know that we were about to face a new challenge that. I would need all the support and all the strength in the world to uh, get through and to know that I am a single mother and I am doing this on my own was just, it was a lot for me at that moment. Um, And as I'm sitting there and I'm listening to her talk to me, like I can hear her talk to me, but you know, when you receive news of that nature, you just kind of like... You go into the zone and you can hear the person saying these words to you, but your mind's not really processing them. All you hear is words. It's sort of like the teacher on the Charlie Brown cartoons, you know, where she's like, womp, 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 womp. That's what I heard when the lady was, you know, saying what our next steps would be, you know, not to worry. There's a possibility that we would go for the final evaluation and everything would be fine. But I really wasn't hearing that because I was so focused on my little guy sitting over in the corner playing with the cars and trucks and other toys that she had out for him. And I could feel the tears fill up in my eyes. And I almost broke down at that moment and started to cry. But I noticed at one point that he made eye contact with me and that was something that Cortland rarely did well basically never did was make eye contact with a person and at that moment for the very first time my child made eye contact with me and at that moment I knew you can't let these tears fall out of your eye because if you do that's going to set him off. That's going to be a trigger for him. And there we go with another one of those words. You know, the doing autism from A to Z, one of the words is trigger. Triggers are things that, you know, may set children with 
uh, different abilities um, off, you know, make them go into sensory overload or have a meltdown or, you know, just have a hard time with something. Um, and me being upset was one of the things that I had come to learn that, you know, put Cortland in an, you know, in a distress type situation or made him, you know, have a meltdown or, you know, not have not have such a good moment when he saw mommy upset. So mommy at that point had to redirect herself and redirect her brain and, you know, kind of like get myself together and just know that when I walked out that office, I had to do it with a smile on my face. And that once I dropped him off at school, I could come home and I could cry as much as I wanted to. Because in that moment, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to cry because I felt like, you know, I started to question God. And I know growing up, I was always taught that you don't ever question God because, you know, he sets a path for your life. And whatever the path is that God sets for you, that's the path that you that you must take. And my grandmother used to always, <laughs> she used to always say, you know, you want to make God laugh, you tell him the plans that you have for your life, not the plans that he has for your life. And I was just, I went in there and I was like, this is not what we're going to do. We're not going to do this autism. And that was just simply because of what, you know, I had allowed people to, you know, get in my head and say, regardless of my concerns, because my concerns were real. Um, and they were true and they were something that I knew that needed to be addressed. So that again, that's why we went into the, the stat screening at his pediatrician's office. So she, um, at the end of the consultation or the meeting, um, what have you, she said to me, you know, we're going to be here for you. We're going to support you. We work for you. We are your team. Whatever it is you need for Cortland, we will make sure that you get it. And, you know, sometimes you go to, you know, a doctor's office or you go someplace else and you have this person sitting there and they tell you we're going to do X, Y, and Z for your child and you believe them and then you get out and then nothing ever happens and you spend your time trying to figure out what your next step is going to be, what you need to do, and you find yourself getting so bogged down that it gets so overwhelming that you just stop and that's what was going through my mind when this lady was saying this to me at the end. I was like, yeah, you know, yeah, right. I'm in this on my own. It's it's just going to be me. And I'm going to have to figure all of this out. Just like figuring out parenting alone. Because as I stated, I am a single mom. I raised Cortland by myself. You know, I have my family and my friends that, you know, are support. You know, we have that village. And, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. But essentially I am his only parent so I have to make all the decisions for him and that's what I mean when I say that I'm doing this alone I'm making these decisions on my own so she says this to me and so I thank her and she hands me her paperwork you know for my file my the copies for my files at home and I get Cortland and at this time Cortland's only two um so I Instead of letting him walk back out to the lobby, I pick him up and I carry him in my arms and I hold him tight. And once again, I have to go back to realizing that I can't set off or show any 
type of tension or a negative emotion to the news that I just received because that would set my child off. So I just start talking to him about going to school. You know, hey, I'm about mommy's about to take you to school now. You're gonna go see all of your friends and you're gonna go see Miss Melody and Miss Kathy. Those were his teachers at the time at Chesterbrook Academy. Um, and you're gonna you know, have a great day and then mommy's gonna pick you up later or Gigi's gonna pick you up later. That's my mom, that's what he calls her Gigi. So we go out and we get in the car and we're driving I'm driving him to school. We get to school and I take him outside because that's where his class was. They were outside on the playground. And, you know, it was just, I acted just like everything was normal. We just got into school late and mommy was just going to drop you off and you were going to go right in and you were going to start to play with your friends. So, um, I took him in they opened the gate for him to go inside the playground and he immediately ran over to Miss Melody because they had a special bond and, um, and Miss Kathy came up to me and she asked me how everything went. At that moment again, I felt myself getting emotional. So I just told her that I didn't want to do it there. I would call her or either email her later and we would discuss it. Um, I just needed to get home and process what I had just heard in the doctor's office. So dropped him off, got in the car and drove back home. And as soon as I hit the door, I don't think I made it inside completely before I fell to the floor on my knees and I just asked God why, you know, why, why my child? And l- listen, we're not even at the point to where we've gone through all of the screenings and, you know, all of the evaluations or the final evaluation. And what we did was called the ADOS evaluation to determine if he was on the spectrum and where he was on that spectrum. We hadn't even reached that. We hadn't even met with a developmental pediatrician at this point. We were just at his regular pediatrician's office. But I, I questioned God, why my child? Because as I stated earlier on, I knew in my heart of hearts that this was the journey that we were going to be on, you know, and I always, and I said in the last episode, you know, God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. So I know that we were chosen and I know that might come across a little harsh to some people or sound a little weird, but I know we were chosen for this and you, you, you play and I don't want, and I don't, I don't want to use the word play, but I, you have to deal with the hand that you're dealt and you either look at it positively or you look at it negatively. And the one thing that I didn't want to look at this was in a negative manner, because if I looked at it in a negative manner, then it would become negative for Cortland. And that's the one thing that I did not want. I want to make this as positive as despite the ups, the downs, the good, the bad, the highs, the lows, you know, all the challenges that we face. I want to make it as positive as I possibly can. So I have to, I had to, in that moment, find a way to eliminate the negative feeling and the hurt and the anger that I felt at that time when I received just at that moment, the number three on a stat screen that put him at risk for autism, not necessarily saying that he did have autism spectrum disorder. So as I stated before I left the office, you know, the special needs care coordinator said to me, we are your team. We will work for you. 
And of course, like I said, I doubted that because I just I couldn't process in my mind that anyone would want to go and help and do all of this for me, little old me and my child. And basically, a lot of it was because of things that, you know, you have people in the background saying, well, they're just going to slap this label on your kid and that's going to be it. It's going to be left up to you to make sure that he gets what he needs. Well, let me tell you something. She did everything that she said she was going to do. They sent referrals to the USC Developmental Pediatrician Group. They sent referrals to BabyNet. They sent referrals to the audiologist for him to have his hearing tested. Because also, as I stated in the last episode, Cortland did have chronic ear infections. So that was one of the main concerns that we thought while he was having the speech delay was due to the ear infections. So they, she scheduled everything and everything just sort of just fell into place. Within one week, I received a call from the audiology group to set his appointment for his hearing test. Within the next week, I got a call from BabyNet to go in and complete my paperwork so that we could get an agency in so Cortland could start to receive early intervention services. Within the week of completing that paperwork, I got a phone call from Michaela De La Cruz from Bright Star, the agency I chose, the agent, not the agency that was chosen for us, the agency I handpicked to handle my child's care coordination, service coordination, and his early intervention services. And from there, Michaela and I, we built a very professional but a very personal relationship with one another because she got what me as a mom was going through, what me as a single mom was going through and what I needed and what I wanted for my child to have. So after meeting with Michaela, and every time you meet with someone from a different group or a different agency when it comes when it involves your child's therapy, of course, they have to come out and they have to do an initial evaluation. They have to sit down. They have to talk to you. They have to get to know your child and they do their own screening on your child. So Michaela came in and we did that meeting and she did her screening on Cortland and he immediately bonded with her. Like I've never, like, as I mentioned in the very first episode that we, we dealt with stranger danger. Cortland was not comfortable with people that he had never met before. But as soon as Michaela came into the house, he simply adored her. And I knew at that moment we were with the right agency we had gotten the right person to do the job. And I, I've spoken on God a lot here. And and I'll go back and I'll say, you know, when I questioned God as to why this was happening to me. And as I stated earlier, if you want to make God laugh, you tell him the plans that you have for your life. This is God's plan for us. These people that I am speaking about from his pediatrician's office to the people at BabyNet to the audiologist to the young lady, Michaela from Bright Start. These are all actors that God put in motion to come in and walk with us on this journey. Okay, so Michaela came in. We did the initial screening. We set up the services for once a week for 60 minutes a day 
during that one time a week, it's a 60 minute session. They were to be held at his school. But the one thing I wanted to do was because, as I said, I research. I'm interested. I want to be a proactive parent. I want to be involved in everything, all of his services. I want to know what's going on. I just don't want someone going in and working with my child and me just sitting there and not knowing. Or I, I use it as a time to, oh, he's in a therapy session. Let me go in here and do X, Y, and Z. Or, you know, wash the, you know, do the dishes or start a load of laundry no I'm sitting there in that session but because Cortland was in school at the time we chose to do the sessions at school but we also chose to do he gets four sessions a month we chose to do three sessions at school and one session at home where Michaela and I had a one-on-one meeting so we could address goals. What what we were mainly working on with Cortland was redirection and transitioning to the point to where he didn't get frustrated when he had to move on to another activity or helping him be able to communicate with his teachers so that they could understand his needs and his wants at the time. And it wasn't wouldn't cause a level of frustration or cause him to go into a meltdown. So we would address those goals that one time each month and we would say, okay, we've mastered this goal. But even when we mastered a goal, we continue to work on it because just because you master something in life does not mean you need to stop working at it because mastering it, it's it's a possibility that things could change and it, it needs to get better. So we stayed the course and we stayed focused on every goal that we ever set. We didn't just complete a goal or master it and stop it and start something new. We mastered it. We continued it. And we also started new goals. And so the next thing was with the after we got the results from the audiology test, um, the ENT she decided that she wanted to go ahead and give Cortland, do surgery on Cortland and put tubes in his ears. And we also, you know, when kids have kids that are at risk for autism or on the autism spectrum, they tend to have issues with sleep. And we've had very many sleepless nights. Boy, let me tell you, have we had some sleepless nights? Um, I think I'm working on about 10 hours of sleep for the week right now, but it's, it's okay. Um, but I don't don't want to get off get off topic here, but we she decided also that we would go ahead and remove his adenoids and also his tonsils just due to the chronic ear infections there. And so she scheduled the surgery for March the second, two thousand seventeen. So in March two thousand seventeen was a major month for for us. Um, she scheduled his surgery for March the second, so we went in and you know as a parent. Again, you you don't want to see your child hurt. You don't want to see your child sick. You just you want this perfect little being that God has blessed you with to be perfect. And in in your mind, we know that none of us are perfect, perfect at all. And that we're going to go through things in life and that our children are also going to have to endure things in life. So we went in for the surgery on March the 2nd and it was early in the morning and mom was a little nervous. I was very nervous, but I had my mom and I had one of my aunts there with me. And so we went in and, you know, she explained, she's like, the surgery's going to be about, uh, 10 minutes. And I was like, <laughs> you know, she said 10 minutes. I was like, no way. Because you know, you hear surgeries lasting longer than 10 minutes. So it was about a 10 to 15 minute surgery. So when they took my little boy back for his surgery, they wheeled him back in this little car 
And, you know, I, again, felt my tears filling up in my eyes and I had to turn and walk away because this time I couldn't stop them from coming. And I knew in that moment, again, I could not allow him to see me in that in that mindset, in that way to be so emotional because it would have upset him, which would have set us back. And we needed to have that surgery done. That was something that we needed done in that moment. So we went on and he went into the surgery. And as I stated, it took 10 to 15 minutes. The surgery was a success. We came home. We had an awesome recovery. He went back to school. We resumed our services. But before we even had the surgery, um, Michaela had went ahead and um, scheduled and started for us um, speech speech therapy. So we started our speech therapy with this group called Sprout Pediatrics. And the therapist came out and again, she did an initial evaluation on Cortland in the home. And we decided that the services would be conducted at school. So that was short-lived with Sprout Pediatrics because she decided that she was going to leave the practice. And so we had to search for a new speech therapist and we got another recommendation from his teacher. And we started with another young lady by the name of Rachel Raper. Um, and she was an awesome speech therapist. Um, she worked with Cortland for a year. And, um, and in that year's time, we have seen major progress with him. Um, so we had the surgery, we moved to a new speech therapist. Um, but then in April of 2017, <laughs> Michaela left us. And, you know, we understand that life changes for everyone. Life changes for us, life changes for his therapist. And so we began with a new EI and her name was Katie. And she came in and we did our initial meeting and she went and she met Cortland at the school and immediately they had a bond. He absolutely adored Katie. Like it was just like, you know, Michaela, it was like Michaela was there and it was like Michaela went on vacation and Katie came in and was substituting for Michaela. They just picked right on up and had the best relationship ever. Um, also, in March of 2017, I know I'm backtracking. Um, in March of 2017, we went to a preliminary evaluation with the USC developmental pediatrician team and um, went over all of the records that his pediatrician had sent over all of his, you know, scores and stuff that from his pediatrician's office. Um, she did a preliminary evaluation and came back with um, a preliminary diagnosis of um, mild autism. And she thought because of the behavioral um, aspects of things that we were dealing with when it came to the behavior that we would need to go ahead and introduce ABA therapy into the fold. But the thing with the state of South Carolina is this, um, because um, I am a single mom and Cortland, when we found out that there was a potential risk of autism, I stopped working. So when I stopped working, I placed Cortland on Medicaid and I'm, I'm not embarrassed for him to be on Medicaid. Um, actually, it works very, very well for us because it's easier for, you know, us to get services um, because we are on that plan and 
you know, people think when you say Medicaid, they think it's a bad thing, but I'm grateful for it because without it, I'm not sure where we would be in terms of services at this point. So um, with that, and in the state of South Carolina, you have to have a final diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder in order for them to pay for ABA therapy. And then the wait list for ABA therapy is 50 miles long. You know, these kids need this therapy and we need to get better at, um, you know, having insurance companies pay for these therapies, pay for these, these services that these children need so that they can be, you know, the productive citizens in society, you know, in the neurotypical, they are productive citizens, but be more productive in the neurotypical environment. So we couldn't get ABA therapy. Um, so we just kind of stayed the course with the speech therapy and the early intervention. And we just kind of incorporated, you know, certain therapy te- tactics that would help him as far as his behavior was concerned. Um, so we started with Katie in April of 2017 and um, things went well with her Um And so that's where our services started. Now, this focus of this episode, which is basically what we what happened after we received the stat and the services that we, you know, that we started on. On the next episode, I'm going to talk to you about um, when we received that final, um, when we had the ADOS evaluation and some things that transpired. You know, when one door closes, another door opens. This has been Cinnamon with Sweet Tea, Southern Mama doing Autism A to Z. And I always want to close with remember that your children are the most important thing. And I know all parents know this. So if you have a concern that there is some sort of developmental delay, if there is something that your child needs, reach out to your pediatrician, talk to your pediatrician and let them know that you have these concerns so that they can get your child you know, screened or evaluated so that if their services are warranted, you can go ahead and get started. Um, And as I stated on the next episode, we are going to talk about um, where we progressed when Katie started with us to also the the most traumatic time I think my child has experienced since he since we have been on this journey and also receiving that um, ADOS, the final ADOS evaluation to determine, you know, if he was on the spectrum and where he is on the spectrum and um and then we'll talk I'll talk more about that but again if you have any questions um leave feedback this is cinnamon again doing autism southern mama doing autism from a to z thanks for listening guys